Hey you guys, it's Steffi. Um, I just want to give you all a disclaimer before the episode begins. So the first like 15 to 17-ish minutes of the episode, which is basically the intro, the audio quality is going to sound a bit different because that is the audio that we took from the Zoom call. So Angie and I, you know, whenever we record, we do this through Zoom. And so we took the audio from our Zoom call and used it for the first 15 to 17 minutes of the episode. And that's because we were just experiencing some technical difficulties. But the bulk of the episode where we talk about the Velvet Rope era, that's all in normal audio quality. So I just wanted to give you guys that disclaimer in case you're wondering why we sound different. But other than that, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Here we go. The Oscar goes to... The winner is. 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 And the winner is. What's the like? It's in your luggage. Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos. And Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embraced the term diva. Yeah. Hello, divas, divos, and divs. Welcome back to another episode of Diva Dailies. This is a podcast where we deconstruct divas on film, TV, and in music. I am your host, Steffi. And before we get into the Velvet Rope Part 2, we got to do some housekeeping. So if you guys are interested in following the podcast, you can follow us at Diva Dailies Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can always email us divadailiespod at gmail.com. And if you've been listening to our podcast for the past couple of weeks, or if you listened to last week's episode, which I saw on Twitter, a good number of you liked the tweet. So um, now would be a really great time to leave a review. If you can leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated. But now it's time to invite the co-host of the pod. It's Angie. Hello. Hello, guys. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I very much appreciate it. (laughs) Are you excited to get into part two of The Velvet Rope? Absolutely. It's Janet. I mean, how can I not be excited? I mean, of course. That's why I felt a little bad that you weren't in the intro for last week. I was like, man, if there's one episode she's going to miss the intro for. It's the Janet episode. The struggle was real. The struggle was real last week. That's okay. The struggle That's was okay. real. Yeah. Maybe she'll update us in the Oscar and Razzie moment yeah. of the week. <laughs> Possibly. But before we get into all of that, let's do some listener feedback because let's we do, do have an update. And a very okay. exciting update. So Janet, hit it, girl. Okay. So you guys, buddy of the podcast, Nicole Scherzinger, she updated her reveal and that's what we call character (laughs) arc because now nicole believes that we have earned the five stars we are no longer at four out of five this is a five star podcast so i wanted to read the review that nicole scherzinger left on apple podcasts the title of the review is love this show hi my name is nicole 
we know. And <laughs> I am a frequent listener of the show. The show is now five for five. Ha ha ha. The Velvet Rope discussion was really great. Almost brought me to tears. The Velvet Rope has a special place in my heart. Thank you to you two and Janet Jackson also. Heart Janet emoji. Five star reveal. It's a five star experience. I mean, if any episode will do it, Velvet Rope. I mean, let's get it in. Yes. Thank you, Janet. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. Yes. And um, bullying works. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nicole, to quote Janet, <laughs> this is between me and you and you. So we really appreciate character arc, character growth, yeah, progression absolutely. here. So thanks for the five-star review, Nicole. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for that. Listening to the last episode, that episode was really good. Thank you. you. Good job on that editing. Thank good you. Th yeah. Th thank you, Diane. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. So I think we should get into... Oscar Razzie moment of the week. The part of the podcast where we talk about our personal highs and lows of the week. So Angie, since you weren't here last week and the people are dying to know what happened to Angie, so, update so us. A student got hurt and I had to take them to the hospital oh, no. and wait for their parents. Yeah, they ended up like twisting their knee pretty bad. Oh my God. Pretty, oh yeah, it was a pretty bad injury. And what was so, she doing? breakdancing uh it was breakdancing i wish to, um free zone <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> no, we, we actually have this um this choreo it's like this floor choreography where they end up in the split and then they turn around and it's like hard to describe via words without mm -hmm. seeing it right but you have to twist your body a specific way i don't know if you know what the, a scorpion is but right it's this yeah. move where they go upside down yeah and they end up on their knee and she hit her knee hard and that was it. She went down for the count. Oh man! How yeah. and how's the kid doing? Uh, they're they're good. They're good. <laughs> She's like, I, I mean, mean they're... they're in crutches now. Uh... <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you know, they're good. Yeah, yeah. Walk it off. Walk <laughs> it off. <laughs> was that, then, your, uh... that your Razzie mode of the week? The kid? <laughs> no, no. My Razzie mode. She's like, of the actually, week, actually, that was my Oscar moment of the week. <laughs> <laughs> but my rising moment actually happened today. Oh, okay. So I had to get glasses for the first time in like 10 years. So this is the first time that you've like renewed your prescription? Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. In I like see. 10 years. Yeah. I've just been wearing those same glasses. Yeah. For all this time. Mm -hmm. And I wanted a new pair of glasses, but you know, mm. the eye people are like, yeah, you can't get a new set of glasses without getting an eye exam. Right. Like, yeah. Right, cool. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Let's do this. So, you know, without insurance, glasses are a lot. Yeah. Glasses are mad expensive. Yeah. And I bought two pairs of glasses today. Oh, God. And I dropped so much money on some freaking glasses. Now, mind you, I did get an expensive pair. Yeah. I got name brand glasses mm -hmm. um, for one. And then a non, well, no, I got another name brand. But they were less expensive. Right. But each pair of glasses were almost, the first one was like 350 dollars yeah. for one and then the other one was like 300 that yeah. ended up coming out to be like 900 dollars. damn that's my rising moment <laughs> oscar moment now i don't know i don't know where i left off on this saga of trying to get to now costa rica okay well, yes so... the last place you left off was you had to change from tokyo to okay. costa rica now let me just say long story short getting the refund for those tickets was a freaking nightmare. It took two and a half weeks of me Ooh. calling every day 
And then it took three days of me calling back to back. And each time I called, I was on the phone for like two and a half hours. Cussed out a couple people, got the refund, Mm -hmm. just bought the tickets to Costa Rica. Y'all, we out here. My Oscar moment is less than a month. We about to be. All right. Angie's taking off. Yes, it's happening. (laughs) It's happening. And I got myself first class tickets. Oh, nice. It's happening. How long is the flight? Not even long. <laughs> not even long. Uh, It's like seven hours. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, I'm super excited. I just need a break at this point. Yeah. I've been like running, 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 running. Mm-hmm. I just need a break. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait. Well, I mean, the people are excited for you and to hear Thank about you. that trip. Thank you. Because Thank this, you. this has been a journey. Yes, it has. <laughs> now it's my turn. Get it in. Okay. So my Razzie moment also happened this morning because when I woke up, I went on Instagram and I was scrolling, 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 and I follow one Miss Michelle Yeoh. And I discovered that Michelle Yeoh went to my alma mater. Oh my god! And I'm not there. I'm here. (laughs) Millions and millions and millions of miles away in a different time zone. Oh my gosh. uh, You know, if this was a month ago, I could have feasibly driven down to, to my school because I don't live that far. Or I didn't Dang. used to live that far. And I love Dang. Michelle Yeoh. And I've been yeah. so excited for all of the good things that have been happening for her as of late. I saw that picture and I saw the background. I was like, wait, what the? And I looked at the caption. I said, Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, experiencing major FOMO. Dang. I know where that is. I know exactly. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's um my rising moment of the week. Uh, that's a good rising moment. Uh, yeah, understandably so. Like... Yeah, missing Michelle Yo <laughs> sucks. <Yeah>. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> my Oscar moment of the week is I finished another book. Oh my goodness, bookworm! I know. Bookworm. <laughs> Hello, book diva, literary <laughs> diva over here. But you guys. I finished a book, a book that I had been seeing everywhere at like the Barnes and Noble, the Target for like maybe two, three years. Like I've always been seeing this book. And I remember one of the last days I had in California, I overheard people talking about this book. And I was like, what the fuck? Okay, I'm just going to get this book because I feel like everyone and their mother has read this book. And the book is called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Okay, okay. Yes, oh, yes. <laughs> my God. You guys. Whoa. Evelyn Hugh, go. More like Evelyn Hugh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. <laughs> but I, I was transported. Wow. That book. Whoa. Oh, my God. <laughs> Deep well, in books. <laughs> well, I mean, to give a short synopsis, because I do believe that if you like this podcast, you may actually like the book. Okay. Um, so the book, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, it was written by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And basically, the story of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is about this old Hollywood star named Evelyn Hugo. And she is like telling her life story. But the book is sort of like sectioned off according to each husband that she had. Uh That's why I was saying like, if you like this podcast, because we always talk about divas and such, like she's like a fictional literary diva, Evelyn Hugo. Let me tell you, you guys, this, this character, she fucking lived. 
Okay. She lived. You not only learn about her marriages, but you learn about her other relationships that she had at the time and the way she navigated her career because of her racial identity, but also her sexual identity. And there's so many different things coming Mm. into play. And all I have to say is the last fucking sentence of this book, iconic. Iconic. For a book called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, that is a pretty iconic way of ending the book. That last sentence. This sounds so much like this Indian film called Sat Kunmaf. I think translated, it's like Seven Sins Forgiven. And it talks about this lady and the seven relationships she was in. Oh, okay. Like the book. Oh, interesting. I love that you're once again becoming a book diva. That's what you do when the power goes out. (laughs) That's going to be me in a month. I'm going to be sitting in Costa Rica with books. Well, I was, you know how I told you like, yeah, the Midnight Library, you should think, no, read this one instead. This one's better. (laughs) Okay, this one, this one. This one is better. I'm noting it up right now. Before we move on to the Velvet Rope part two, let's briefly discuss, because it is going to be a brief discussion. Yeah. The Velvet Rope (laughs) 25. So Janet celebrating the Velvet Rope 25 deluxe. (laughs) Yeah. album mm-hmm. only released digitally yep and she had a little party <laughs> yeah and that and was that, it that was it <laughs> my girl said here you know that that rihanna meme where she's like throwing the thing to somebody yeah like as she's walking that's janet here here you guys oh <laughs> you guys been complaining here i'm happy that a lot of fans felt happy that she acknowledged it yeah but if she did it I would still feel this way. For me, as a hardcore Janet fan, I had almost everything that she released. Mm. With the exception of like two tracks. Mm-hmm. So it didn't do nothing for me. Now, if right. she had put it out on vinyl again, re-released it on vinyl, I would have been a little bit more excited. Yeah. But, you know, it, it it's cool. I, I, I mean, I love the rope. Right. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. She acknowledged something, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it, it didn't move me. Right. Because they're the only thing she really added were like the remixes. The remixes. Yeah. I will say my favorite, one of my favorites is the every time Jam and Lewis disco mix. Oh, okay. I need to listen that to that one. Then. Fire. It okay. it just fire. I love that one. But outside of that, you know, it was cute. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what Janet's approach was. It was cute. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> i'm telling you she don't care she don't care like the other legends mariah it feels like an album era but yeah yeah janet don't care (laughs) it it is interesting seeing the way janet is celebrating if we can even call it that her um anniversaries in comparison to the other albums that we're talking about this time around like mariah and then you know the next album coming out they have like a whole thing or at least they're doing something i mean i know the fans of that artist are not particularly happy right now with the quality but it's something it's more than what is doing so and then like michael later on they're having a documentary yeah but again i i will say this I am a firm believer that artists don't have to do anything because anniversaries is a relatively new idea and stuff like that. And it's work at the end of the day. And Janet obviously don't like to work. She right now. She's attending fashion shows. Yeah, she she chilling and being a mama on off time, you know, I guess what was I mean, 
this has something to do with Jana, but nothing to do with the velvet rope, but her being photographed with Paris Jackson. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. I know. That, that oh. was a big thing. Right. Whoa. <laughs> Okay. That was big. Yeah. I guess are they okay with each other yeah. now? Um I know. <laughs> that was a shocker. Because it always made me like feel a bit sad that Janet didn't have yeah. a good or even like a relationship at all with Michael's kids, considering that her and Michael were close. That so close, yeah. It, it was a shocker for sure. Shout out to Paris. Shout out to Paris yeah. Jackson. I feel like Janet's in a place in her life where she's like, if I don't have to do extra work, I'm not gonna. I yeah, she doesn't have to because she's. She doesn't. She doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't have to at all. I mean, that's all we can discuss about the Velvet Rope 25. We're having a Absolutely. bigger celebration of the Velvet Rope <laughs> on this podcast yes. than the person who actually made the album. Facts. Facts. Oh, no. <laughs> I will say the parties that she was at. They looked fun. Yeah. Hello. Where was our invite, Janet? Right. Like Diva Daily's. Where's the, the Diva Daily's okay. invitation? <laughs> we want to be parting it up with Joey. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. <laughs> they're so cute. Let Janet have her bodyguard moment. Right. <laughs> like her literal bodyguard moment. Jan fam dreams, right there. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, Janet, we love the velvet rope. We yes. hope you guys, the listeners, enjoy part two of The Velvet Rope. And here it is. Okay, so welcome to part two of our Janet Jackson Velvet Rope Diva Discography episodes. So if this is your first time tuning in to the pod, whenever we do these Diva Discography episodes where we talk about a specific album, the conversation is divided into two parts. Last week was part one where we reviewed The Velvet Rope track by track. So if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you check that out because we even discuss the interludes and what other podcast is going to do that <laughs> only here on diva dailies duh but today in part two we are discussing the behemoth velvet rope era <laughs> so this is where we talk about the career context of janet any scandals and controversies that were discussed during the era, live performances, marketing, stats, and the cultural legacy and impact of the Velvet Rope. We are in good hands because Angie is a Janet Jackson stan, in case you didn't know. And she pretty much has been preparing for this episode her entire life. So um, <laughs> if it's lackluster... That's at Poetry Soul 3. <laughs> Always setting me up. Okay, Angie, are you ready to get into this? As ready as I'm going to be. But yes. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, here we go. Pretty legendary, if you ask me. I love it. And this era will always have such a close place in my heart. Like, I cherish every era. Let's get into our first segment that we do for these kinds of episodes, and that is Popcorn and Pop Stars, where we talk about where the diva was at this point in her career and also why she made this specific album. <laughs> so, Angie, tell us the story of Janet and the Velvet Rope. Where was she at? 
So it's 1997. And up until this point, Janet literally has not missed since 1986, which was when she was able to take control of her life and career, all puns intended. I want to be the one in control. But I think it's very important to take a moment and shell out her journey up until the Velvet Rope because I don't think people will fully understand the magnitude of her stardom if we don't. So <laughs> Angie's like, so Janet was born <laughs> on. <laughs> Janet was born. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're like, okay, 97. <laughs> like, oh my God, this is like Jackson's an American dream. Oh no. <laughs> Go to bed, Joseph. Go to bed. But this is going to be quick, all right? So in 1986, she drops Control. Control changes the game and is considered one of the most definitive pop albums ever. Six top 10 singles from one album. Then she follows that with Rhythm Nation, an album earning her seven top five hits from one album. The only artist to ever do that. I don't care what Drake stands have to say. The only <laughs> artist to ever do that. Okay. <laughs> then we get to the whirlwind of the Janet era. Like a moth to a flame burned by the fire. My love is blind, can't you see my desire? That's the way love goes. Which included the 1993 hit movie, Poetic Justice. In a lot of ways, It's a Star is born time, but it's kind of a difficult birth in terms of the language. Hopefully they'll get so much into the film, into the character, that they don't realize that they're watching me, they're watching Justice. She also gets nominated for an Oscar for her song, Again. So the nominees for original song are from Poetic Justice, again, music and lyric by Janet Jackson, James Harris III, and Terry Lewis. Then we get into the infamous and iconic Rolling Stones cover. I thought that was very bold of me, to be quite honest, to unleash that within my family. Oh gosh, please. Then the Janet World Tour, which is also hugely successful. She then follows that with Design of the Decade, which includes hits like Runaway. play that's where we can do it close our eyes for long through it i can't wait to groove it because you sure know how to move it this is also the same era where she partners with her brother michael jackson to give a screen which was a behemoth unto itself then signed an $80 million mega recording contract. In 1996, Jackson renewed her contract with Virgin Records for a record-breaking $80 million. Giselle Fernandez spoke with Janet in 1998 during her European tour about it. The highest paid performer of all time. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think about that. I don't think about that. And shortly after, gives us the velvet rope. We had a special need. 
To put it simply, Janet is on top of the world and we are experiencing peak Janet. Okay? Yeah. The velvet rope is peak Janet. Oh, so you would consider velvet rope to be peak Janet? Absolutely. I know people would consider Janet the Janet era. Yeah. As peak Janet, but I think the velvet rope was peak Janet. Is that like a controversial take within a Jan fam? Uh, I wouldn't say it's like controversial, but I think there's like a lot of supporting factors from this era, mm. from the tour, mm-hmm. the videos, her coming into her womanhood in a very specific way. Yeah. It being the artistic dark album. I just think as an artist, this is her peak. As a tour artist, this is her peak. Like the Velvet Rope tour, which we're going to talk about later huge amazing like i think this is her peak yeah that's like what's really cool about janet is her albums especially the run from like control i would say all the way up to all for you the super five those are solid yes janet jackson albums a lot of people like fans especially they can debate which one is the best and every argument that you make for whichever album you like the most it's a good argument absolutely and also, The Velvet Rope is considered her masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, all around. I think this is amazingly peak Janet. You already mentioned this, but right before she does Velvet Rope, she renegotiated her contract with yes. Virgin Records and she signed an $80 million contract, which at that time made her the highest paid recording artist in history. And it was the largest recording contract at that time, even surpassing the $60 million contract that Michael Jackson and Madonna had made with their respective labels. So like just putting into context, Janet compared to her other musical peers at that time, like that's how huge Janet was. Yeah. Like she is the it girl. Yeah. She's the pop queen. Well, why do you think Janet made this particular album i think she was seeking exploration Mm. whether it was an exploration of her inner demons a further exploration into her sexuality and the nuances that come with that or the exploration musically lyrically artistically stylistically i think she was just in a exploration phase if you look at the different albums that janet has made especially within that big five yeah i feel like you can really tell like what her mission was behind each album and project so absolutely she's one of those artists that is super committed to the concept yeah if one thing janet does even in the 20yo era like she's going to commit to a concept whether (laughs) you like it or not You know, and she definitely did that this era, which I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Like, again, if you guys have like never taken the time to fully listen to a Janet album or like immerse yourself in a Janet project, there's a lot of thought. Yeah, clearly that goes behind every single thing that she does. And it's just really cool to to look at. Yeah, this is Janet propaganda. (laughs) (laughs) It absolutely is. (laughs) Sign up for the cause today. Okay, so Angie, this is going to be the Angie show now. Oh my god. This is Spill the Technicolor Tea. Who is it? Mrs. Potts, dear. I thought you might like a spot of tea. This is the part of the podcast where we talk about any scandals and controversies from the era. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. Angie, I mean, begin the dissertation. Where do we start? (laughs) That is a good question. Where do we start? Let's start with God Till It's Gone. The Got Till It's Gone drama. Oh my, okay. Yes, there is ton, tons of drama 
around God Till It's Gone. Let's start with Desiree because there's like three different sections to God Till It's Gone. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, okay. Yes. So after the release of God Till It's Gone, British singer Desiree thought the song melody on the verse sounded extremely similar to her own song, Feel So High, from her 1992 album, Mind Adventures. She ended up suing Janet and her production team and was awarded an out-of-court settlement in July of 1998, gaining 25% of the royalties from the song and around two million pounds. Dang. Cause I feel so highway I'm reaching out for your sky I've found less energies I feel I could run a million miles But it does sound like Desiree's song. No shade. Still love Got to Lose Gone. Uh-huh. But it definitely sounds like Desiree's song. Has Janet or Jimmy Jam Terry Lewis ever commented on the Desiree comparison? No, not that I know of. And here's the crazy thing for a lot of the controversy around Got to Lose Gone. I've never heard Jimmy Jam specifically or Janet talk about these controversies in depth. Mm. So. So then we get to the Jay Dilla controversy. Now, if you guys don't know, Jay Dilla is one of the most iconic hip hop producers ever. So again, after the release of the song, producing legend Jay Dilla was upset that he wasn't credited as a producer on the song. According to him, production team The Uma, which Q-Tip is a part of, helped create the record. And Dilla stated that the record was basically his style. He was so pissed by the lack of credit that he ended up making the Got Till It's Gone Uma JD's Revenge Mix, which he basically turns up all the elements that are clearly his style. He turns it all the way up in the mix Mm -hmm. to really hear how the record is him. But it's interesting because, again, I've never heard Jimmy Jam bring up Dilla outside of he was an inspiration to him in creating the record. Mm. So Jimmy Jam stands by the fact that he created the record. The inspiration for the song came from um, Brand New Heavies had a, a song called Sometimes. I think it was called Sometimes. And Jay Dilla, who is one of my favorite all-time producers, rest in peace, Dilla, had done a remix for the song. And, and it had this kind of jumpy stop and start feel that, that was kind of imprecise. Like at that point, you know, a lot of records were very kind of perfect sounding, but the way he did his beats, everything sounded very kind of imperfect. And I wanted to duplicate, uh, duplicate that feel. Then there was the music video controversy. Janet has talked about this a little bit, but upon release of the music video, there was huge scrutiny by parts of the black community because it was set during the 50s and 60s apartheid. We wanted to do a video where everyone just got together and and had a good time, but taking it a step further so it doesn't seem like your normal club 
video where everyone's in the club having a great time. The step further would be the South Africa, 1970s apartheid. There were some black folks that didn't like the depiction of black people during a time that was like very hurtful okay for black folks specifically in south africa uh-huh we were talking about because i was talking about mark romanic and he you know he did scream and he did the free your mind and vogue video and he also did got till it's gone and i got a lot from my own people but they didn't like the video because they said we're trying to move ahead in life and here you are here you are taking us back a few years because it was supposed to be us in Africa and it was supposed to be the time of apartheid and like there was a sign up top that said Sled's Donkey and it meant whites only is what it means in African. There was the Drum magazine which is an African magazine mm -hmm. and the, the concept for this video was after dealing with racism and everything that you do throughout the day for these people we're going to go to our own little club and not let that bother us and have a good time and embrace life and yeah. celebrate. And that's what the video was about. And I thought it was absolutely beautiful was shot. They hated the fact that I didn't have on makeup. They hated that. That was a weird one for me. I don't know why y'all bugging, but yeah, black folks were upset by the depictions of Godzilla is gone. Were they like upset at the time or is this more of like a people rediscovered it? Oh no, this was at the time. Okay, okay. This was at the time. They were just like, we shouldn't be showing black people in this light. We should be showing them like in a more free space, more modern. Why do we have to depict black people in oppressive spaces? Oh wow, yeah, okay. And I'm like, I, I guess. It doesn't make any sense to me because even in the 90s, as it was, we were still in very oppressive spaces. Like, it didn't just go away. It just looks different. Right. It looks shiny, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is. The Godzilla's Gone drama. That's interesting that Janet, Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis like, don't really talk about it. Yeah. But I think by them not talking about it, those kinds of controversies that I don't think it's going to ever take on a life of its own to the point where it's like they need to address it. Because right. there are some controversies where it's like if you don't address it, like it's going to spiral into something a lot bigger. Yeah. But with those, the Desiree and the, the Dilla, like I think by them not addressing it, that actually helps. Yeah. Because like it wasn't until I started researching that I even knew that those controversies existed. Exactly. Yeah. So. She She knows how to work controversy i'll say that i mean those jacksons they do yeah <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of that and hiding controversies let's talk about the divorce Ooh! and for people who don't know who we're talking about we're talking about renee elizondo yes jr yes <laughs> <laughs> who was linked to janet for many, many years mm -hmm. and was also her creative partner. He would direct videos on the Velvet Rope album. Specifically, he has songwriting credit on like almost every single song, right? Yes. One thing that I definitely am very proud of is that Renee finally is taking credit for his work, which he never did in the past. I think now I'm ready to let people know that I'm not just Janet's boyfriend. I need to understand who I am. I can't just be an appendage to Janet. The reason that I've been unwilling in the past to take credit for what I've done is I didn't want her family to think, oh, Sonny, he thinks he's Johnny Songwriter or something. I think he wanted to prove to them that he didn't want anything from me other than my love. So this is a very long 
partnership, Absolutely. like romantically, creatively. Jen and I have been together for going on 12 years now. He's very talented, really is. Not just writing, but uh, directing. And uh, he's a wonderful photographer. You really do have to work with people that you trust. I trust Renee a great deal. And so when does this divorce happen? Okay, so officially it happens in 2000. Okay, so this is beyond the actual era. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the reason for the divorce kind of starts happening within this era. The fallout is happening within this era. So do you think like things were good until the Velvet Rope era? I feel like there was that in-between era between like 95 and 97. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Where things started taking a shift. Okay. But as Janet puts it, like the huge awakening about her marriage happens during the Velvet Rope era. Oh, my. So in 2000, right after the album era, Janet Jackson shocked everyone by announcing her split with husband, Renee Elizondo Jr. After nine years of marriage, it was a shock because no one publicly knew that they were married. So this was a secret marriage. And you know, Janet's the queen of a secret marriage. Yeah. That's her thing. Yeah. A lot of people think that Janet is secretly married, are you? No. And if she were, if you were, would you be telling me right now? Yes, it's a secret. Yes, it's, it's, would you? I feel that we are spiritually married. Really? Yes, I do. But at this time, this was kind of revealed in her documentary, Renee was struggling with an addiction to painkillers. According to Tina Landon, it started right before the Velvet Rope tour. I just noticed someone that I had known for a while acting differently. It took Janet a long time to tell me what had been going on. Yeah. Renee had struggled with some painkiller situation. And this was prior to starting rehearsals for the Velvet Rope tour. So he didn't go on the tour, which was huge. If you guys are Janet fans or know anything about Janet, from Rhythm Nation until the end of the Janet era, Renee was always with Janet. So the fact that he was not a part of the tour and didn't go on tour with her is a huge indication of their failing marriage. Also, according to Janet, Renee would always get on her about her weight the whole renee situation it started to get sour he was always constantly on me about the way i looked you have to look like your video when you go out you have to look this way you can't go to the movies people are going to see you you don't look like yourself and i believed that janet created a whole book about her weight journey and so we know that weight was a huge issue for Janet. I'm an emotional eater. So when I get stressed or something's really bothering me, it comforts me. And I'll try and do things to pull it down, bring it down, try to diet, but I can't keep it down. Janet was known as the, the, the chick with the six pack. Her body was so much a part of her image. So I know that that was an added stress. If you weren't in the public eye the whole time, would you feel differently? I probably would have wound up not having a problem. So do you think when Janet was doing press during the Velvet Rope era, because I listened to a lot of interviews and watched a lot of interviews where she gets asked about Renee, and she still, it seemed like at that time, spoke well of Renee. Mm -hmm. Do you think she was trying to cover up for him at that time? Or, 
I think there is a a combination of it wasn't anybody else's business. So she's a Jackson at heart. We all know. Yeah. They don't tell their business. Yeah. About nothing. Mm-hmm. So her trying to keep everything to herself. Two, we didn't know that they're married. So she's still referring to Renee as that's my boyfriend during this era. As far as marriage goes, we like what we have now. We've been together for a very long time. For me, it was a fantasy. It's like a Cinderella story. I just like what we have, and so does he. And we're very happy where we are. And we don't want anything to jinx that, so. So she's trying to probably keep her marriage intact. So I think it was like a combination of a lot of different things. And she was also getting tons of backlash elsewhere in terms of her sexuality, her sexual identification, like her sexual orientation, her tattoos, her piercings, her new look. She's getting backlash from all of this stuff. The last thing she needed was backlash from a potential secret marriage. Mm. So, yikes. But she got through it. (laughs) Well, she's still here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Renee's not really allowed to talk about it, so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Another big thing out of this era is this is the end of the golden era. This is the official end of what a lot of fans deem the golden era, which is between the Janet and the Velvet Rope era. And I am speaking with her partnership with Tina Landon. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't really know too much about it. So here we go. I'm going to just say, I'm going to preface this by saying this is all allegedly because nobody has like officially came out mm-hmm. from my knowledge. I mean, people say that there was like a, a post on this website that Tina had made. But I couldn't confirm it, so I'm still going to say allegedly. Okay, and who is Tina Landon before we get into... Tina Landon is like the girl. She is the choreographer for Janet in the Janet era and the Velvet Rope era. I'm still working with Tina. She's wonderful. She's uh, done choreography since the but since the Janet album. We've worked together. I, we first met during... What have you done for me lately? That video. We've been friends since then off and on at one point (laughs) but we're very good friends now very close so allegedly there was a break in their friendship after tina finds out that her then fiance fellow velvet rope dancer rob vincent was cheating on her and didn't he propose to her on tour girl yes okay i saw the footage of the proposal yes (laughs) wait a minute um I think uh, there's a request that we have here tonight. Rob actually proposed to Tina, and she had no idea. Will you marry me? It took her for, oh my God, it seemed like forever for her to say yes. Yes. We were like little kids on the stage. We were high-fiving and jumping up and down, and we were so excited. So again, allegedly, pretty much everyone on the tour knew about the affair, including Janet, and didn't tell Tina. Wait, who was he cheating on her with? Another dancer. I don't think it was another dancer. Oh, okay. That would have been scandalous. (laughs) Lord. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently, Janet kind of discussed the situation on the Oprah show in 2007 while on the press tour for Tyler Perry's Why Did I Get Married? She talks about this incident where she knew that a friend was getting cheated on and she didn't she failed to tell her 
and that's what ended the friendship. A very close friend of mine for years, uh, someone she was engaged to actually had cheated on her, and I knew both of them. The, uh, her uh, fiancé as well as the, the woman he what was cheating What did you with. do? I didn't say a thing. And um, she was very upset at me for it, but I felt it wasn't my responsibility, my job yeah. to. I, I, I would want him to man up and come to her. And because of that, we are no longer friends. Wow. Yeah. It broke our friendship. Yeah. Do you wish that you had done differently now? Uh, would you have done differently, knowing what you know now? No, I you would wouldn't. Still, no, I wouldn't. I would, if it were happening to me, I would want them to come to me and let me know. You want him to come? Yes. Apparently, that is one of the big reasons why Janet and Tina Landon stopped working together. How are Janet and Tina today? It seems like they're chill today. And she has said many a times, if you guys don't know who Kelly Alexander is, please go check out Kelly Alexander. She has like the best Janet Jackson interviews, not with Janet, but like with Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, Tina Landon, mm -hmm. former dancers, all that stuff. Yeah. Tina Landon has expressed many a times on that podcast that she would love to work with Janet again. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Well, I want to talk about the provocative promotional image for the Velvet Rope Tour. Yeah, yeah. Janet had this advertisement for the Velvet Rope Tour that showed her in this, I quote, clingy breast enhanced bodysuit with what appears to be a nipple ring on the bodysuit's exterior and a high cut bikini panties. Several publications refused to publish the ad and the billboard in England was removed after causing many traffic accidents. Not so long ago, there was a billboard in London and you were standing on this billboard in such a sexy pose that after one day, the billboard had to be taken away by the police because there was a car accident. Three cars hit each other yeah, because they were I looking heard like about this. That. Yeah. yeah, I heard about that. Is that a compliment? <laughs> um, I suppose so, yes. <laughs> so there's three main questions that Janet was asked in almost every interview. Why were you depressed? What's up with the tattoos and piercings? And are you gay? Those were like the three big questions in every single interview during this era. But the conversation around the album being as queer as it was, I think is a big thing to talk about because it's 1997. At this point, she's getting backlash from specific fans, tons of people are saying that they are done supporting Janet. Because of the queer themes? Yes. Oh my. Absolutely. Just again, to, to put in the context of the era we're talking about, April of 1997, Ellen first came out. When was the last time you had a moment's doubt, wondering if it were the right thing? Um, a long time ago. I mean, maybe, you know what? I made the decision during the summer that I wasn't going to live my life as a lie anymore. Which led to advertisers pulling their commercials from her show. And some of her advertisers have backed away. And a handful of ABC affiliates have said they won't run the episode. While leaders of the religious right are fueling the fire. As a Christian, I do believe that homosexuality is sin. And not too long after that, folks on Oprah, so Ellen went on Oprah, and folks were yelling at Ellen on the episode about 
pushing queerness onto them. Because I feel like right now we've got the lesbian weddings on Friends. Uh, there's the lesbian relationship on Relativity. I just found out there's a lesbian relationship on NYPD Blue. And now you, I just feel like we're being stuffed with this but, right now. Down our throat. It's just like... Yeah. Why? Why? Well, because because it, you don't have to fight for anyone to embrace you and say how wonderful you have a family and children, and that's just accepted. That's of course people are going to embrace that. That's why I, I think that's going to be. I had the carton of milk, and I have my ten-year-old boy there, and yep, I'm gay. What's that, mom? You know, and I feel like he should know. He should know what it is. No, a year after the Velvet Rope was released, almost to the day. The infamous murder of Matthew Shepard had taken place on October 6, 1998. Two men beaten, tortured, and left Matthew Shepard to die after realizing he was gay. The tragedy would become one of the most notorious anti-gay hate crimes in American history. Matt's funeral and the murder trials, which led to multiple life sentences, dominated the media. The correspondence we got was easily half from the straight community. I didn't know this was happening. I had no idea. It was ignorance. Mainstream media had not at all covered the gay community outside of the AIDS pandemic and the pride parades once a year. Also, America is still feeling the aftermath of the 1980s HIV AIDS epidemic. Every single day, AIDS kills all kinds of people randomly. This was hysteria. This was fear mongering. This was craziness. At this time, still, HIV and AIDS is still a taboo thing to talk about because even though America didn't consider it a gay disease anymore, it still was considered taboo because so many people refused to see how big it was within specific communities. For somebody like Janet, a huge pop star, we just shelled out how big Janet is. For her, as a black woman as well, to create an album as queer as it was, we're not just talking about one song. This is pretty much the whole album. It's like every other song. Yeah. She's like, hey, I might be gay. <laughs> I'm I'm going to shove some queer aesthetics or queer language. And I'm just going to do this throughout every other song. Let's, let's just talk about it. Let's just be, you know, mm -hmm. it's, that's a huge thing. A lot of people have been asking, am I gay? <laughs> also, so what is it? <laughs> she, she likes girls or what? And the thing is, is, well, what does it matter? Is it going to change the way you view me? Uh, which is a very sad thing. Yeah, um, of course. I'm still the same person. No different. What, what difference does it make? Did Janet... Um... Because I feel like Velvet Rope is the album that has the most queer themes, like explicitly. Yeah. Has she ever confirmed if she was like, I don't know, part of the community or I don't know. Because like honestly growing up, for me, my first Janet album that I was like, okay, this is Janet was all for you. Right. And like, that's very different yeah, from absolutely. Velvet Rope. And I just feel like absolutely Janet post all for you was just artistically different yeah. compared to what she was doing on the velvet rope so therefore questions if there were any about janet's sexuality were not really happening anymore right. post all for you so like has janet ever like spoken about that absolutely i mean like i said it was one of the big three questions asked during that era so she talked about it often so sometimes in interviews she would say that's pretty much none of your business or what would it matter if I did say I was queer? 
would you stop buying the music? I mean, it is what it is if you do, right? And then other times she would say, no, I identify as heterosexual. Okay. But I know tons of queer people. But then in later years, I forget which interview it was, but she had stated, like, if I was queer in any way, I wouldn't even come out at this point because it's so late in my career. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, when did you say that? It was. You're like last week. It was like literally <laughs> not long ago. It was like a few years ago. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Pre-pandemic or post-pandemic? Pre-pandemic. Like 2018, 2019? Yeah. 2018-ish, 2019-ish. Oh, interesting. Okay. I want to say she was, she was promoting Made For Now. I want to say it was in that era. Oh, uh, okay, okay. But Jan Pham, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do remember her saying that. And then there was also the rumors that she was with Seanette Heard, one of her dancers at this time as well. Oh, during the Velvet Rope era yeah. that she was supposedly with? Seanette Heard, romantically. Oh. At that time, Tina Landon and Seanette Heard were always with Janet. Always with Janet. So yeah, there's that as well to add to the oh, wow. the mythos of Janet's sexuality. I mean, I just have like a general thing about the Velvet Rope era was in a lot of her interviews, like you said, she was being asked about her depression. Yes. It's really cool for Janet, a major pop star, and especially like as a woman and as like a, a black woman for her to be so open about her mental health yeah, and childhood trauma and, you know, escaping the childhood trauma through like yeah. eating and different avenues. So for her to be like so open about her mental health struggles at this time yeah. in 1997, when still in like 2022, it's very like, whoa, like yeah. that's so cool for so and so person to be talking openly about their mental health. Like, right. Jana was doing that yeah. in 1997. 97 and also like kind of like what bothered me a bit too watching all these different interviews is the way people would question her about the mental health yes there was like a lot of sensationalism yes with the kinds of questions she was getting absolutely and it's just marker of the time you had done this interview with vibe i see somebody holding vibe up there and also newsweek magazine where you talked about being depressed like you were in this depression for a well, couple of I, years, and I don't know if that's been blown out of proportion. It has. It, it has. actually has, yes. So um, tell us, what is the deal? Well, and then you you see Janet trying to, like, divert around it. So you never, like, took Prozac to feel better? No, I didn't. Do you think maybe you should have, though? No, I'm mm -hmm. glad I didn't. Glad you didn't. No, yes, mm -hmm. I am. So you were... Not to say that, I, uh, excuse me, but not to say that um, I'm against that, because that may work for one person, mm -hmm. and what I did worked for me. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the most important thing. And then you see her like kind of scrambling, trying to justify how she dealt with her depression. Yeah. And also trying to tell everybody how she's not like clinically depressed. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the thing is, clinically depressed, no. Um, did I have my down days? Of course I did. Uh, there were times when I, I cried all day. I mean, I was never in this depression. Okay, well, crying all day is, is, a, is a depression. No, though. it is a depression, but not someone saying, okay, you're clinically depressed here. I'm going to give you this to help you feel better. That was a big thing, too. Yeah. Which was interesting because then I feel like people would have 
labeled her like quote unquote nutcase. Right. Because you know? that was definitely like the thing back then too. It's like if you yes. say you have some sort of like mental health problem, right. people think you're quote unquote crazy or and that's the stigma for the longest time why people didn't want to come out and say they have mental health problems because then you get that like label. Yeah. Also to add one more thing, it is just in general interesting to see how reporters like to sneak interviews about Janet's family into Janet interviews. Oh, man. It's interesting, too, because, like, by this point, Janet Jackson is Janet Jackson, like, independent from her family. She's proven that she can stand on her own. Yeah. But I would say even still to this day, they always like to sneak in questions specifically about Michael. When's the last time you talked to Michael? Feel competitive with him? What's the best Michael taught you? What's Michael like as a father? What do you think of your brother and his transition over the years? Let me ask you the one Michael question. uh, You heard he was going to have a baby. Were you happy about that? I was very happy, and here we are talking about my brother. Okay, (laughs) fine. I won't bring it up again. Janet's feeling real good about herself. I was listening to this interview that she did with Angie Martinez. Mm -hmm. Janet basically clarified and said it's not that she doesn't like being asked about her family, but it's more so people believe that she has to speak up for them in some way. I've seen you do interviews and you say you don't like to talk about your family because everybody probably asks you everywhere you go about your family. But but I got to ask you about your family just a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. It's not that I don't like talking about my family. Is I, I feel that a lot of people expect me to answer for my family. Right. And that I've, I've, I feel like I've done that pretty much all of my life, being in front of the camera. That I don't think it's fair for me to do that. Right. Um, I, I think they, they, they should answer for themselves. Right. And it's like the morning to know about my brother getting an answer through me, or because we were the closest growing up. Well, maybe she knows how he thinks, and, and I just don't think that that's, that's fair at all for me to do that. Right. Yeah, and it's especially interesting in the Velvet Rope era because at this point, she's culturally the bigger pop star, right? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Michael has kind of faded. I mean, yes, Michael fans, I get it. He's like the king of pop. But in this time, he's not what he used to be. If he is in the media, it's more so about the controversies. Yeah. It's not really so much more about the music. The music, yeah. Which, I mean, like, I'm sure that in and of itself probably contributed to, like, her sadness and her depression. Yeah. The most important thing to me is family, and you're always there for family. And I've done nothing but always been very supportive to my brother and will always have his back. I mean, he's my brother and I love him. He's, He's blood, and that's for all my brothers and sisters. That is a really hard family to navigate absolutely especially as the youngest of the jacksons yeah that's hard when michael was going through everything like if there was any controversy with michael she was the one who was speaking out and still to this day still to this day look at part three of her documentary i loved it but like like i said during that during that episode you could go back and i literally said it i was like Michael shit took up so much of part three. Absolutely. Like, Janet, thank you for the screen behind the scenes. Like, we love it. Thank you so much. Like, that was a highlight of the year. But still, that took up a lot of time in her own documentary. Yeah. And as we stated before, like, we realize this is a Janet episode, but we also realize how much Michael affected her career. 
and how much their careers were so intertwined. Right. Whether they liked it or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whether it was a sibling rivalry kind of thing, but not really. But, you know, it's like friendly competition or whether it was, no, Janet has to go out and she has to talk about Michael right now on behalf of the family. Like, this is what we need, you know? Yeah. Their their careers were so intertwined. I mean, they definitely both, especially Janet, deserve to be analyzed independently from one another Mm -hmm. but so hard to do when personally like there's just so much there and then musically too you can't help but hear links visually links like they're just so absolutely and like i mean janet has like spoken and michael has said too like him and janet janet and michael like they were the closest so absolutely you were closest to michael yes yeah and you say now that you and he are the most alike but what did you mean by that? What did you mean? Um, we have a lot of, a lot in common. Mm-hmm. I mean, our love for animals, um, uh, the way we think about business and, and our careers. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. Okay, so this is the segment of the pod called, But We Need People to Buy the Album. But we need the like, audience to like buy the just took- Where we talk about how the album and era were marketed and any like special marketing strategies that really mark the era for me when i think velvet rope it's all about the imaging yes like specifically with the way janet dressed and looked stylistically she is wearing a lot of black yes she has like the turtleneck yes goth the black jacket yes like the cargo pants that are back in style now she's being asked about her piercings like the nose piercing the tongue piercing piercing on the nipple do you have a piercing in a special place janet how does it feel janet like (laughs) those sorts of questions is there a reason why you say i'm gonna pierce the nipple and not my nose or my nose and And not any other well there for one you get this great sensation Honestly, like the way Janet was styled during the Velvet Rope era, like that's how a lot of people are dressing now. So add her to your Pinterest board. But also for me, it's her hair. One million percent. Iconic. Like the color. The red. Striking. Yes. It's the red against the black. Yes. Ooh, Janet. Like my favorite hairstyle. I mean, there's the iconic hairstyle where the twists are out and they're like i don't know how to describe this on a podcast but yeah there's like one sticking out on the right one sticking on the left and like yes. one sticking up it's the got till it's gone hairdo yeah 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 that and then when she had like the iconic it was like straight red when she like pressed it out oh like on the rosie show like the rosie o'donnell yeah. show yes her like i get lonely hair yes oh my gosh yeah i feel like this is her most iconic look for me. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, yes, there's the Rhythm Nation and then the Janet era. But for me, this is the most iconic and most pleasing to look at. Mm. It's this era. I love it so much. Yeah. It really encaptured the era to a T. Yeah, like I feel like Janet is one of, like, again, she's from this era that really understands how to do this. Yeah. She is one of those people, like, you know, based on how she looks what era you are in yes rhythm nation doesn't look like velvet rope the self-titled album era doesn't look like control right those each have very distinct looks and velvet rope is like just such a really like cool effortless but it's still cohesive look yeah that janet has yeah it's giving um emo chic yeah when i look at janet during the velvet rope era it looks like she made the album 
that she created. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Like that looks like someone who waters their own spiritual garden. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah. (laughs) But also I feel like this era is like a textbook traditional rollout, which I also love as Mm -hmm, well. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think this is the era where we see how important MTV is for her career oh yeah like janet did so many stuff with mtv during this time like she has a whole like yeah. janet special with yep. you know the different hosts at the time it is absolute complete mayhem down here janet jackson's fans are dying to talk to her and it's a great thing that she's on mtv live today because janet's fans are going to actually have a chance right here from the streets of new york city to ask her questions it's coming up on mtv live and then she invited john norris yep to interview her when she was on tour on this edition of Ultrasound, we take you behind the scenes of life on the road with a very private pop star. Janet Jackson brings you backstage, into her dressing room, and onto her tour bus. Janet and MTV, they kind of relied on each other during this time. Absolutely, which better explains why the fallout of her being banned from MTV was so big mm. to her career, you know, post-2004. Yeah, I feel like this era really sets up why everything was so big after the Super Bowl. Like, the fallout was so big. Right. Like, if you just look at this era, you'll understand the fallout. I mean, aside from, like, doing lots of stuff with MTV, she was also doing the the press interviews with, like, these major hosts at the time. Like, yeah. she had, like, an Oprah Winfrey interview where she performed right. two of the songs even though janet is a jackson she is truly a superstar in her own right take a look at this and then she also like went on rosie yeah had a fun little interview there right. performed there wait a minute <laughs> i'm so happy i shaved my legs this no, morning rosie. what i got some lotion in my purse yeah i know <laughs> look at that Yeah, she's just like hitting all of the big markets that a big pop star of that time would do. And then to add on the Velvet Rope Tour and it being televised on HBO, Mm, which is a huge thing. So if you guys don't know, the Velvet Rope Tour was broadcasted on HBO as a special and was live at Madison Square Garden. The hottest concert tour of the year is coming to HBO. Award-winning pop superstar Janet Jackson brings her dazzling Velvet Rope World Tour to HBO on Sunday, October 11th. This tour is like the elite tour for me. Mm. This is like if I had to show somebody what Janet was on stage, I'm showing them this tour, period. Yeah. Like the band was on point. The outfits were on point. Everything about this is just top tier Janet. I feel like her HBO special, that's like the modern day equivalent of that would be like a Netflix concert special. Absolutely. I mean, we kind of already talked about this, but also when she was doing like her promo, like we said earlier, she's getting asked a lot of questions about what's going on in your life. Yeah. Because, you know, the music sort of reflected in some ways what was going on in Janet's personal life. It's really hard with the media. It is. I mean, they do try to define you and and take things into their own hands. The one I love the most is when they paste things together and leave other things out and it makes for a whole nother story. A lot of times you have to set things straight by going on television and saying, I didn't say this. This is what I said. It's interesting because like, especially 
after coming off of the butterfly era butterfly and velvet rope are kind of similar in that way yeah and also to add on her being asked about i know we talked about it a little bit earlier too but specifically her tattoos and her piercings and how that added to the edginess of the era oh yes 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 we're coming off of janet's janet era Mm-hmm. Right. And still Janet is looked at not as the girl next door anymore, but she's an approachable Jackson. She is the, the cool Jackson. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting edgy Janet. Mm-hmm. We've been seeing Janet all over the place with different pierced body parts. <laughs> Her tattoos and she has a Sankofa tattoo, which ends up becoming a huge part of her imaging at the time. It's South African from the Sankofa tribe. Can I put my arm down now? The meaning behind it is to uh, to go into your past, walk into your past and deal with that uh, in order to to build a future. And then the notorious Minnie and Mickey tattoo. Oh my God. Which Rosie like was... <laughs> Stunned. <laughs> and you have Mickey Mouse down here and you the oh, you underwear line. See that. I saw Mickey well, Mouse Minnie's right there. down there too. It's but... Mickey and Minnie? Yeah, but we won't say what they're doing. So. Oh my. <laughs> if you guys don't know, uh, Janet has a tattoo of Minnie uh, giving pleasure to Mickey near her upper thigh. Is it still there or did she like remove that? I believe so. Oh my God. What is, what is baby Issa? Like that's a tattoo you have to hide from the child. (laughs) That little baby girl is Mickey and Minnie doing the nasty on her bikini line. (laughs) Well, actually Minnie's doing something to Mickey is what it is. And it's not just her. It's her whole crew. Like all the dancers suddenly have piercings. Her dancers look a little bit more quote unquote edgy. Like everything has shifted. And these for the most part are the same dancers from the previous era Mm. coming in and changing along with Janet. It's interesting that by like the late 90s, a lot of these pop acts are like portraying an image that's like they're edgier. Yeah. Or they're like a little bit more grown up. You know, yeah. Again, like when you look at like Mariah and Butterfly, yeah. or even like Whitney Houston in My Love Is Your Love, right. which would come out a year later. I mean, Madonna was always kind of like edgy. Yeah, she was always edgy. Those were the times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Janet did it successfully. I think it didn't feel forced. <laughs> if that makes it, if that makes any sense, she didn't sneak that in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't feel forced. That's at Poetry Soul Three, everyone. <laughs> Just realized um, how it came off. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. So she says. Don't come for me. So she says. <laughs> that was such a Janet thing to do. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, here we go. Here we go. We have now reached video killed the radio star. This is where we talk about music videos from the era. I am so excited. <laughs> okay, so let's list all the videos oh. that occurred with the era. So we have You, directed by David Mallet. Got Till It's Gone, directed by Mark Romanic. Go Deep, directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. Together Again, directed by Seb 
Joniak, and together again, Deeper Remix, directed by Renee Elizondo Jr. Every time, directed by frequent name here, Matthew Rolston, and I Get Lonely, directed by Paul Hunter. Janet is a video artist. Yes. Janet's a video artist. (laughs) (laughs) Which video have you chosen to talk about? I'm going to go with Got Till It's Gone. Oh, good. Okay. I had a feeling you were going to choose that. Yes. It was between that and another one and then the one that I chose. So. Word. (laughs) Angie, take it away. Got Till It's Gone. Okay. So Got Till It's Gone is easily my favorite Janet video ever. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic video. This was directed by Mark Romanek and it was inspired by South Africa's Drum Magazine which was a magazine aimed at black readers within South Africa. It was a video that tried to envision what it was like for black people to be in their safe haven, which is the club, where they get to let go and just be them without dealing with oppressive forces of apartheid, Mm. like within that moment, you Mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. From the opening shot, where we see all these like beautiful black people noticeably of African descent, smiling, laughing, just being beautiful. Mm-hmm. There is this one scene of like, I want to say they're twins and they're just like holding each other and swaying. Oh yeah, that's it's, cute. Oh, warms my heart every time I see it. There are many scenes where they're re- recreating iconic photos and imagery from Drum Magazine. I love this video because it is so unapologetically black. Mm-hmm. Like it is just so black as hell like i just love to see black folks looking diverse happy dancing having a good time i'm gonna be honest up until that point i had sincerely never seen blackness captured in the way that janet and mark romantic had captured it Mm. it was so raw it was so unfiltered dynamic it was just gorgeous it's just gorgeous and then janet janet her hair the iconic hair yeah that we were talking about earlier with the twist outs the lack of makeup that she was wearing Mm -hmm. uh she didn't allow her white dancers to be in the video you only saw the Mm. black dancers she was committed to keeping this a black video it's black as hell i love it it just holds a special place in my heart like i love this video so much it's just like a really gorgeous video to look at like the color yeah as well like olive greens and like the browns and like the yellows it's just like do you know if he like shot that on film or that is a good question i'm assuming i don't know it looks like it could be shot yeah if you guys haven't seen the video like it can be played in a museum and we're not just saying that because like we're huge janet fans like it is just like so gorgeous artistically like pleasing to look at yeah the video that i have chosen is another paul hunter video oh it's miss i get lonely yes i thought you were gonna pick together again no (laughs) you said no the other one i was debating was go deep oh wow that's a video that never gets talked about but because i just think that video is really fun it is it's super fun the guy in it he was in even stevens yes (laughs) larry disney icon (laughs) i've obviously seen this before but man after really immersing myself in this velvet rope experience like 
is this a top 10 Janet Jackson video for me? Absolutely. Potentially. Hell yeah. Yeah. I have no goddamn idea where Janet Jackson is for like 90% of this video aside from the car. <laughs> like there's a moment where the camera zooms into this device inside the car and then all of a sudden like we see Janet walking. So I'm like, is she in the air conditioning vent <laughs> in the car? I don't know. There's not really a narrative here, but who cares? Because Janet is a video artist and she can do whatever the fuck she wants. And it looks good. And it, yeah, and it looks good. Let's talk about the look. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Okay. So Janet is wearing black pants, like heeled boots. For me, like the iconic look in this video is the corset yes. over this like white long sleeve dress shirt. And she tie. has like the black tie. Yes. And she has like a Carmen San Diego-esque hat. Yes. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> the red hair. Yeah. Striking. Hello. But to me... Woo! What really makes this is the choreography. Oh the goodness. choreography. Shout out to Tina Landon. We yeah. have not really gotten a chance to break down choreography. So let's do it right now. Yes. Okay. The choreography is so iconic. Yeah. Like, hello. Let's start with the beginning. Getting to the floor. The subtle, cool shoulder, 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 <laughs> snap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i can literally rewatch that part over and over and over again like i literally think that is my favorite part of the entire video is the shoulder yeah shoulder shoulder snap oh <laughs> yeah. it's just so like effortless and cool and smooth the way janet moves oh my gosh like i love the levels of her choreography here too she just gets really low and grounded in her plie yeah. it's just like so nice to see and like oh the build-up to the first time you hear the chorus yeah it's the leg it's the leg for me yeah. ladies it is the leg where she like swings and then like the way she winds down like yeah. on the woo i can't so and she like gets down and down yes janet whoa so good it's just like choreo that fits the music yes. and vibe and you could tell that choreo feels good to do and can we just shout out tina landon again this is what happens when a choreographer knows their artists that they're choreographing mm. for. And I think that's mm -hmm, super, mm -hmm, super mm -hmm. important. And I think that's why Tina Landon is one of the best to ever do it. She knew Janet. Janet was one of her best friends at this time. Yeah. So she knows her as an individual. She understands her as an artist. Mm -hmm. She understands her as a dancer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when we look at I Get Lonely choreography, there is just enough masculine energy within the choreo, mm. but it's also super, super femme. Yeah. Just enough to match the aesthetic of what they're wearing, which makes it brilliant. For me, as someone who used to dance, this is like a video that gets me excited about dance. Yeah. And like, I exactly. can watch this video over and over and over again to learn how to move. Like, Absolutely. To me, this is this is Janet Jackson, bitch. Like she's not fucking around. Right. Also, how dare Janet Jackson think she isn't a good dancer? What the, Janet? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? But I heard that you think you're just an okay dancer. You couldn't possibly think that. Yes, I do. Really? Yes. You don't think you're a great dancer? No. Not at all. Oh. <laughs> I get fine. But you, but you know what how it is. What are you talking about? As a dancer, especially if you, Janet wasn't trained in technique. But it's crazy that she wasn't because you wouldn't like right. think that. When you wouldn't, you, yeah. Oh God. Oh, she's so good. And she good. has like all these dancers around her yeah. who've trained yeah. in technique. 
and she's holding up like she is the star yeah 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 you know yeah oh she's so good can i say one more thing about the video yeah really quick yeah the iconic part where she takes off her corset oh yes 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 the build-up of course of course the build the build-up we get the iconic part of the choreography where she takes off her corset opens up her shirt i feel like that is just as iconic as the beginning <laughs> oh right that's probably like even more iconic honestly i'm just like i'm a sucker for a subtle like shoulder 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 snap but i'm with you though no i'm yeah. with you on the beginning it's like oh we're really getting sophisticated sexy janet yeah oh she's here she's here bitches like this is janet so angie what song do you wish got a music video and what would be the treatment Ooh, i'm scared that we have the same song i feel like this is the only song that made sense to do another video for okay this is what about okay me too we have the same video but like you said i feel like if you're looking at the rest of her songs here this is the only one that i could feasibly see yeah getting a video so what would be your idea okay i would want her to team up with mark romantic again oh me too (laughs) oh do we have the same video (laughs) okay Okay, so i want her to definitely team up with mark romantic again Uh uh-huh i want a black and white video that's very like fiona apple Mm. like criminal Okay, yes. It almost feels like there's flashbacks. Yes, okay. Of like these moments, but they're incoherent. Oh. You're just like, what was that? And then all of a sudden, when the chorus hits, like we see Janet with messed up makeup, like she's been crying. Okay. Right? We're bare-faced Janet. We've got the mascara running. Uh All of that. I I want very emo Janet. Yes. But also, I want the brilliance the the beauty that mark romantic brings Mm. so i want emo chic okay okay i like it (laughs) that's what that's what i want yeah okay see that's interesting that you are playing with color because mine has a lot to do with color too okay so for me i need janet to channel acting janet on this Okay. Okay. Let's go. So I want her to be wearing like yes, like we are staying cohesive to the era. She will be wearing black pants, black turtleneck, mm. and basically like the premise of this is going to be like internal versus external. Ooh. Okay. Okay. And so in the verse, I want her like sitting on the bench with this guy, and he's like caressing her face. It's like very like sweet and gentle, but you can tell she's tentative because sometimes she'll be like looking away. <laughs> but all of this, like everything in the verse, it has to be shot in blue oh okay and with like every subsequent time we come back to the verse like i want the blue to get like deeper and deeper and Ooh, deeper almost blue. like towards black like by the end yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then for the chorus it will switch to red oh and he's like yelling at her face and like as the song progresses like every time we cut back to the chorus violence will progress so like his anger will progress as well so he'll like be towering over her he'll like shove her sometimes and you'll see like janet get more and more affected and like scared and traumatized i want this like world of red to become scarier every single time we come back to it like i want this shit to look like the upside down shout out stranger things like i want (laughs) it to be like oh my god scary the editing has to be on point too like i want match cuts here so like when we cut from like verse to chorus we're looking at the guy and he's like friendly he seems like okay but then when it snaps same exact angle and shot but like now he's scary and then when we come back to the verse it's like oh wait what you know kind of like you like where you're like wait what was that sort of thing right but in the final chorus i want it to be like 
reality. This is where she yeah. decides to confront the guy and Janet will stand up for herself. And so the coloring will be like somewhat true to like everyday mm. life. Yeah, yeah. When she turns around and walks away, I want to see subtle bruising peeking from the turtleneck. I see. Maybe okay. like underneath the sleeve. Yeah. But I want the color of the bruise to be like this deep purple. Mm. Because what colors make purple? Red, Red and, blue. and blue. Boom. Bit. Boom. <laughs> A concept. A concept. That'll be on pop-up music video facts. Yeah. The color is purple <laughs> because the... <laughs> pop-up video <laughs> but i feel like our our concepts are like fairly similar they are we want drama we want theater yeah we want drama yeah. we want narrative mm -hmm. we want acting janet yes and we want mark romantic yes <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is the mic is on where we talk about live performances from the era and even though this segment is called The Mic is On, sometimes we will be selecting performances where the mic is clearly not on. It's not Memorex. I go on stage and my microphone is on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Angie, what performance have you selected? This was a hard one because she has so many fantastic performances this era. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with 1998 VH1 Fashion Awards. What about? Just then I thought... So I feel like this performance represents how much Janet was and is a bad bitch. Okay. Mm. Story behind this performance. So boom. VH1, back in the day, used to have the fashion awards every year. So they sought out Janet to perform at the award show. Now VH1 wanted Janet to perform her smash hit together again. And Janet wanted to perform What About. VH1 was like, you mean that song? Talking about abuse? Like, nah, shorty, that's too heavy for this award show. We want the upbeat together again. Give us the pop single, you know? Right, because this is fashion. <laughs> right. So Janet basically tells them, I do this performance, the performance that I want, or I don't perform at all. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. So yeah. Diva move, Janet. And VH1 doesn't want to let Janet slip through their fingers. So they agree to let her do what about she ends up performing What About and gets a standing ovation after the performance is done. My heart was pounding, but the time had come to stop letting my whispering heart control me and telling my screaming mind what to do. I looked him straight in the eyes, then I said, I love everything about this performance. I love the simplicity. First and foremost, it's such a simple Janet performance. Like we're so used to Janet with the big dance moves and like all of that stuff. And it's like, yes, there is choreography, but it's such a different type of performance than what we're accustomed to. She was giving acting mm -hmm. her vocals. Yes, ma'am. I love the moment where she's like walking down downstage with Tina and Seanette mm -hmm. and the last chorus and they're just like giving their their diva walks mm -hmm. and then they stop uh she's just like that's my queen yeah yes yeah yes <laughs> Janet propaganda yes <laughs> join the cult yeah 
I have chosen, this was hard because, you know, so much range in the I Get Lonely performances. And I was debating between one or the other, but I chose live on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Bitch, yes. I was like, it's interesting when you compare yes. Rosie to how she performed I Get Lonely at the Soul Train Awards. It's basically the music video. That's how she performed it at the Soul Train Awards. But in yes. I Get Lonely, this is like intimate Janet performance where she is sitting on a stool, two background singers, and a guy accompanying her on the piano. What's his name? James Big, Big Jim Wright. Well, shout out. To James, because he did his thing. Yes. Thank you, James, for your musical contribution to this performance. Sitting here with my teeth, all alone with my face. I'm wondering if I have to live without you. But there's no reason why I sleep late last night, crying like a newborn child. This is a performance for the people in the back who think Janet is only a dancer. The mic is on because this showcases Janet's vocals. She sounds so good. And I love the arrangement of this song in this performance. Like, it's so rooted in like r&b and soul music Mm -hmm. and i love hearing the guy's voice in there too because it adds Mm -hmm. like a really nice texture there yeah also towards the end when she's just like grooving and vibing she does this thing with her neck oh and her hand (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh she's like really feeling the music and like for me i love when you can tell the artist is like so present in their performance and you can tell like janet is like so there she's like so in it yeah can we talk about the jackson snaps yeah because there's something about those jackson snaps like yeah mj had it too Mm -hmm. they resonate like you can literally hear her snaps in the mic right yeah hello (laughs) oh that's a good one you guys watch it it's such a vibe say 90% of the time she got the mic on for this song if any song the mic is on for this song like this has to be one of her favorite songs to sing because she kills every single time also watching this performance like kind of made me wish she did an MTV unplugged during this era yes like if there's any era to do an MTV unplugged for like it should have been the velvet rope Janet can you give us a tiny desk oh I would would love a Janet tiny desk no way I want to see the receipts Let's move on to show me the receipts. This is the part of the episode where we talk stats of the album. Angie, here we go. Your time to shine. Here are the stats. There's so many. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Look, what I will say before we begin is I think we should just like focus on like the big ones. The big ones. Because like even if you look at the Wikipedia page, like there's a literal section that lists out a shit ton of awards that the Velvet Rope, 
got nominated for. So, like, just maybe, like, go through the big ones. <laughs> okay. The Velvet Rope reached number one on Billboard 200. It sold 4 million copies globally within the first several months. 1.6 million copies in the U.S. in 1998. So, Got Till It's Gone. It's weird that Got Till It's Gone wasn't released as an official single in the U.S. Mm. But it did really well on the R&B charts. Together Again obviously went number one. And it is Janet's biggest selling single. Selling 6 million copies. Wow. Yes. Go Janet. Yes. I Get Lonely reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Some of the awards that she got was... The American Music Awards, Favorite R&B Female Artist. She was nominated for a ton of Billboard Awards. She won one for Top R&B Artist. Nominated for two Grammys. One for Best Music Video Short Form, Got Till It's Gone. Nominated for MTV VMA Awards for Together Again and Got Till It's Gone. For the Grammys as well, she got nominated for Best R&B Vocal Performance for I Get Lonely. Mm-hmm. And then for the GLAAD Awards, she won for Outstanding Music Album. It's important that yes. we say that. Janet is an Emmy-nominated artist, you guys. The Velvet Rope Tour specifically had four nominations, one for Outstanding Music Direction, another for Outstanding Lighting, and then another for Outstanding Choreography, and then it won for Outstanding Technical Direction Camera Video for a special. The Image Awards for the Velvet Rope Tour won for Outstanding Variety Series Special and Outstanding Performance in a Variety Series Special. And just in general, this album is on many lists of like 500 greatest albums of all time. Also, Janet did earn... The Lena Horne Lifetime Achievement Award mm. at the Lady Soul Train Awards. Yes. I think that was the the year that Brownstone did the tribute. Oh, okay, okay. Y'all go look up that tribute because you want to talk about how hard it is to sing a Janet song? Go listen to Brownstone. <laughs> Try to sing That's the Way Love Goes. Well. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess the last thing I could say here is The Velvet Rope helped her become the 10th highest grossing musician of 1998. And that's just some of the awards. Like Steffi said earlier, you go to Wikipedia, you go to other sites that are showing the stats of the album. It's just a long, 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 long list of just a bunch of stuff. So shout out to The Velvet Rope. Okay, Angie. So what do you think is the impact and legacy of the velvet rope this is janet's masterpiece like we said before this is the album that helped create alternative r&b alternative r&b is the preferred style of r&b in today's era so the impact is absolutely enormous right there is no solange there is no fk twigs there is no chloe and hallie without the velvet rope there is no lemonade without the velvet rope you know yeah yeah this album stylistically is one of her most iconic eras it gave us one of the most beautiful videos in her catalog got till it's gone it also like i said in the mariah episode two it helped create the emo era the quote-unquote emo era for pop stars Mm -hmm. that almost every pop star has there's so much that (laughs) the velvet rope has done it's just a pop giant within the pop world you know yeah also like subject matter wise like 
Janet is talking about mental health abuse, queer themes in 1997. Yeah. People like still get celebrated for doing that in 2022. Right. She was doing that 25 years ahead before it became like a cool thing to do. Also, just in general, really, really well crafted album yes narratively makes sense from beginning to end interlude and the end of certain songs will go seamlessly into the next yep and like the last note i have here is that it's just incredible that mariah released butterfly and janet released velvet rope within weeks of each other because they're both magnum opuses within their own yeah discographies some would say their most personal albums yeah even though you know what mariah was going through and what janet was going through is like different at the end of the day these are albums that show like women who were artistically and personally taking risks and the albums reflected that and the albums are snapshots of their lives at a very specific yeah time like it really captures their life absolutely in 1997 i'm gonna say like after doing butterfly and after doing velvet rope i'm a little frustrated with whitney houston's my love is your love (laughs) that's fair which comes out the following year in 1998 and we will be doing that sometime next year for the 25th anniversary of that okay well angie let's end by finishing this sentence janet jackson's the velvet rope is the album that blank janet jackson's the velvet rope is one of the albums that changed the way i listened and engaged with black music Mm. especially pop it was so different than anything i had ever heard so ahead of its time the way that i'm able to still to this day be able to engage with it as a, a growing human being as I get older, I get to engage with the art differently every year. So it feels it feels new. Yeah. You know, it's vulnerable at its core. It's experimental. It's it's everything about music that gets me excited. And just to see a black woman, my icon, my my idol at the time, talk about queerness the way that she did mm. allowed me to be open and allowed me to find other artists like Michelle and Cello or Janelle Monet, or, you know, Sylvester allowed me to engage with other queer artists. But yeah, it just overall, it changed the way that I listened to black music and engage with black artists. I'm just going to keep it really simple. I'm not even going to explain myself. I'm just going to say Janet Jackson's The Velvet Rope is the album where Janet Jackson isn't trying. She just is. Oh. Boom. My job. That's it. That's all I'll say. That's a bar. Janet, <laughs> add it to your liner notes. <laughs> Janet, go deep remix. <laughs> S is late on the Zoom. Oh I guess gosh. Angie's there too. <laughs> Here she go. There we go. <laughs> Okay, well, Angie, our velvet rope journey has somehow come to an end. Yes, yes. I hope we did it justice. Hopefully, because this just feels so like big. Yeah. (laughs) If the people want to file their complaints, where can they reach you? (laughs) On Twitter at PoetrySoul3. 
and on YouTube at Sleepy Nerd Productions. And if you just want to tell me how amazing, you know, the episodes were, if you're just like really pleased, you really got a lot out of it, you can file all of the compliments to me. That is at INN underscore MHO on Twitter and Instagram and in my humble opinion on YouTube. So to clarify, complaints to Angie, compliments (laughs) to me. Yay! Um, And also, if you are interested in following us on social media you can find the podcast on instagram and twitter at diva dailies pod and you can email us diva dailies pod at gmail.com if you've been listening to us on spotify or apple podcasts don't forget to rate and review we have a goal by the end of the year of reaching 35 star ratings on spotify and 50 ratings on apple podcasts so help us get there teamwork and also we want to reach 10 reviews so if you leave a review or reach out to us in any way, we will read your message on the pod or play it if you send a voice message. So for next week's episode, we've so far celebrated the 25th anniversary of Mariah's Butterfly, Janet's The Velvet Rope, all albums that came out in 1997. And about a month after Janet's Velvet Rope came out, the sophomore album of the biggest selling girl group of all time. Still to this day! came out. So in honor of their 25th anniversary, we are talking about Spice Girls 1997 album, Spice World. La 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 <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Shout out to our girl group Diva Summer. We're bringing back the girl group one more time for the year. Yes. You know, the Spice Girls, with no exaggeration, they were the literal blueprint to several of those girl groups that we covered over the summer. So get ready. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate your time and continued support for the pod. We hope you enjoyed the Velvet Rope episodes of this podcast. I know it meant a lot to Angie, a young Angie who pretty much prepared her entire life to talk about the Velvet Rope. So we hope you enjoyed it. Until the next one. And remember, divas. So the thing is, a diva has to be good at what she does. Thank you.